Hello, hello, welcome to the Impact of Mindset. I am Julia Trask, your host. I'm an Australian confidence coach, author, and motivational speaker, and I'm really excited to have you here today because this is where I share strategies and tips for how you can have greater self-love and confidence and high performance in what it is that you are trying to achieve in your business and in your life. And I'm really pleased that I can also share with you authentic stories from my guests and from my own personal journey about being entrepreneur, living life, being the best version of myself, so that you can really connect with how you do it in an honest way. Because we know that there is so many different ways people are growing and learning, but often they don't share the raw, real experiences. And I'm really keen to be able to share that with you and help you grow and learn more and understand that whatever you're going through is okay and that there are going to be amazing times they're also going to be challenging times so without further ado i'm going to jump on into today's episode now today we're going to be talking all about mental health because october is mental health month and so i really wanted to give you some tips and strategies to improve your mental health and your mood because throughout the course of sometimes a day, sometimes a week, but definitely a year and, and months, you know, we have challenges that arise where we have to reconnect with ourselves, where we have to get back to feeling better so that we can really maximize our potential. And so often we get stuck in our thinking loops and we try and change our thinking to get the action to happen, but we actually need to take action in order to change our thinking. And so I want to give you some real actionable tips that can improve your health and mood. And they're things that I have done personally that I know work. There are things that many other high performers have also experienced um, that help their mood too and overall mental health. So the first thing I want to say to you is our health overall is significantly impacted by our mental health. And I think a lot of people know that, but when we look at their habits and we unpack what those habits are, it's not actually shown in what they do on the day to day. And the best way to be able to see whether we've really understood that our health is our mental health as well, is when we look at what are we doing on a day to day basis and are we actually doing things for our mental health? Um, for the month of October, I've made a promise as part of Australia's Mental Health Awareness Month that I'm going to do something every single day. And to be honest, I already do. But I think the challenge for every single person listening to this podcast episode is what am I doing today that maybe I didn't do yesterday? Because so often when I'm talking to people and sometimes I even catch myself out on it, we do the things that we know we're good at. But because we're not doing the things that we aren't so good at or the things we haven't done for a while, we don't improve our mental health as much as we possibly could. In other words, we keep doing the things that we know work, but we keep avoiding the things we know would help our mental health because they could be harder for us to do. And so as I go through these tips in this episode, I really want you to think, what are those things that I don't do? What are those things that I consistently say I don't have time for, or they're too hard, or I don't know how? Because it's a real great opportunity for you to write down like a task, a task list um, of how do I go and access some information where I learn about 
how I do those things so that my mental health is improved. Because we don't just simply improve our health by doing it once and never doing it again. We've got to consistently do it. And that's the most significant thing. What I find and what I know my clients find is whenever we stop being consistent at things that really matter, that's when we don't feel like we're as confident. That's when we feel feel like we don't love ourselves as much because we started prioritizing something else as being more, more important. And innately, we know that nothing else is more important than ourselves because we know that we can only give enough to other people when we give enough to ourselves. When we love ourselves, we can really only love other people properly. When we have kindness for ourselves, we can really only show great kindness to other people. But yet we neglect ourselves in this process by not doing those daily things. So I want you to be really cognizant of that as you're listening to this episode and thinking about how we can do this. And so I'm not saying these in any particular order at all whatsoever, but I want to talk about why each of these particular tips I'm going to share with you are important. And I would encourage you to try one that you one, one or two that you haven't tried already. Incorporate them in. Let me know um, through the podcast um, review reviews or on my social media. I'm on Instagram, magnetically underscore confident. On Facebook, on magnetic confidence. Um, and tell me, how has this helped you? Um, in your day, in your week, your month, okay? And doesn't matter if it's been, you know, October 2021 or if it's, you know, you're listening to this well into the future beyond the time that I recorded it or whatnot, just just do it for right here, right now for yourself because that will make a big, big difference. So the first tip that I want to start with is gratitude and a lot of people that have been following me for a long time now know that gratitude is a really important practice of mine I really, really love it because I feel that so often society is about what we can get as opposed to appreciating what we have. And when we have a a heart for gratitude, we generally tend to find ourselves being more kind to other people, being more loving, having more ability to have greater patience, um, being more appreciative, wanting to take more time with people because we actually care about what we've got. And I think when we don't take the time to be grateful, it's easier for us to be impatient, to be rude and obnoxious, to think about ourselves and not other people. And so when we are grateful for those people that we have relationships with, when we're grateful for the food that we have, when we're grateful for our movement, for the way that our body works, the way that it does, when we're grateful for the country that we live in, and what it does provide as opposed to thinking about what it doesn't provide when we're grateful for the freedom that we do have um, for who we are as a person and the progress that we've made some of these things you know then we realize actually my life is very expanded there are so many things that I can really enjoy and most often in fact I think 100% of the time um when I ask people who are feeling depressed and seriously down and out and lost in their life, like how often do you practice gratitude? They don't. And that's because they stopped this regular process of thinking about what matters and they've got into a spiral about what doesn't. 
And it's so important to understanding that this rewires our brain to look for the positives in life. And it doesn't mean those negatives don't exist, but it means that we appreciate what we do have. Because while somebody else might always have it worse than us, thinking about it in that regard doesn't actually make us more grateful. It doesn't get us out of our pity state. But being grateful and, and having appreciation for people, for things, for situations, for where we live, um, you know, it changes our perspective and it gets us to look at life differently. And even in our very darkest of times, we can ask ourselves, what is going right in my life? What is bringing me joy? It doesn't have to be from me. It can be from somebody else. What is something that a stranger did for me today that I'm really appreciative for? And it can be the smallest of things. It could be that they let you take a car park at the mall. It could be that somebody opened the door for you. There are so many of things like that, those small gestures that if we thought about all of them, we would have so many post-it notes of gratitude all over the place because there are so many random acts of kindness all the time, but people are always looking for those grand gestures. But if we thought about it in this way, if we had people trying to block us from getting into parks, people trying to block us from getting in the way, people trying to run in front of us in queues, people trying to um, take a mobile phone away from us every time we make a phone call, people trying to, people siphoning at our fuel anytime we wanted to get in a car, you know, people doing things just to make our life difficult in those kinds of ways in every single moment of the day, it would be a completely different life experience and none of us have all of that happening. So every single one of us has something to be grateful for. And I'd really encourage you to write down five things right now. What are you grateful for? And make it a practice over the next week. What are five things each day you can be grateful for? And make sure you're including there for yourself. What is something you're grateful for in others? What are you, something you're grateful for in people that you don't know, strangers? What are you grateful for within yourself? What are you grateful for in your situation? Really important because lots of things can be happening in life. You know, we've learned over years, certainly in my 35 years of life so far, there can be earthquakes, tsunamis, bushfires, there can be pandemics, there can be terrorist attacks, there can be people that die that are close to you, there can be some serious illness that you experience, but yet there are still things that we can be grateful for. And it's what we choose to focus on. And we need to make sure we don't get stuck in that cycle. The second thing that can really improve our mental health and mood is restful movement. And I think high performers often want to be focused on how do I get that high performance? Am I working really hard at the gym? Am I going for a really hard workout all the time? And not considering the importance of restful movement. It's interesting because active recovery became something that I was very aware of in my early 20s when I was playing Premier League soccer. And we got told, you know, you're not going to do a workout session, you're not going to go to the gym, but I do want you to spend some time doing active recovery. It's the first time I heard of it and the first time I started learning about its importance, but I hadn't internalized what it actually meant. Because it took me 
around about six years more until I actually grasped the concept that I have to count that active recovery as exercise. So I need to count that stretching as exercise. I need to count that walk as exercise. I need to count, um, you know, lying down and putting my arms above my head or doing a sudden salutation for yoga as exercise. I might not get a massive sweat up. My heart rate might not be elevated. In fact, it could be the very opposite, but it is essential restful movement, especially things like stretching. I think so many people underestimate stretching. And when I think about things that I understand about the human body, you know, physiological processes and things, our body is so used to being stretched and then challenged with contractions in our muscles in everyday movements and activities. It's really unique and fascinating in that capacity, but yet we feel tension in our bodies often and we don't think to ourselves, now I'm going to voluntarily, instead of involuntarily, now I'm going to voluntarily choose to stretch my muscles. And it's often we only get to that point when we're actually feeling pain. You know, recently I had this massive pain in my hip and my my left glute and I thought oh man this is because I haven't stretched and I stood around and I made some jokes about having Beyonce Bart because I was poking it out and stretching around but the reality is is if I actually had made time to stretch every single day it would have made me feel better but also I would have got better performance out of my body when I'm going for a run when I'm lifting weights when I'm doing yoga or when I'm doing Pilates you know it's so important to understand that restful movement is highly impactful. And in terms of mood, it's quieter. So it gives us time to actually feel how our body's feeling, feel how our muscles are feeling and reconnect to our physical body. But it's also a nice, quiet, gentle space, a way to be gentle and kind to ourselves. But maybe our mind isn't. Maybe other people haven't been. So it's really good to keep that in practice and I will say that if you're a high performer that has often worked really hard in the gym has often worked several different you know training programs like I've been used to then you won't necessarily find this to be particularly easy you'll find it to be quite a challenge but it's really important to do it anyway the third thing is Regular social catch-ups. I asked someone recently, you know, do you decide what your number of social catch-up is per week and make sure you schedule them in? And they were like, oh, that's a bit clinical. And I thought, well, yeah, it's a bit clinical, but realistically, I think everyone has an understanding of what amount of catch-ups they need to have in order to feel like they are socially connected enough. And so often humans will share, share with each other like, you know, I was feeling great and then, I, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks that I needed to hang out with someone because I felt alone. And what that often indicates is they've been pushing their performance and their business or in their um, fitness pursuits or whatever it might be, but not focusing on having a well-rounded, balanced life where they're also still connecting to people in their social networks. And as a result... They're getting to that point where then they're going, oh man, now I'm lonely. And 
I need someone right now. And what happens is it creates a different kind of level of stress in our body. We get this stress where we're like, crap, now I need to find someone I can hang out with now because if I don't, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm getting sick of myself. And you would have all heard these phrases before. But it's really, really key to understanding that these social catch-ups are so vitally important to our mental health because we bounce ideas off other people. We share with them what's important to us and what's important to them. We help other people as well and helping other people makes us feel really good. It makes us understand the benefit we are to society. It makes us feel part of something bigger than ourselves. And so it's really important that we have regular social catch-ups organized. And that can be really quite challenging. So I'll give you an example. So for some people who are single and are surrounded by friends that are coupled up or married with children, organizing this is a lot more difficult because sometimes it's about preparing it so much further in advance so that you know those catch-ups are going to happen. But this is why it's really important to be aware of how much social interaction have I actually had. And in a pandemic, when you might have that interaction online, you want to really make sure that you're making time for these interactions to be in person. It's really, really important. Because people aren't craving online interactions. People are craving in-person interactions. And that's kind of a funny statement perhaps, but... Upon my reflections, I think about pre-COVID, people were thinking, you know, I could just catch up with that person online and that's my catch-up done. Or people were thinking, you know, I'll just do internet dating instead of going to social events where I could meet someone. Um, And now it's different. People are craving in-person stuff. People are craving um, physical connection and physical touch. I'm one of those people, you know. Um, I read up about it the other day, actually, that there is such a thing to, I can't think of the word of it right now, but there's such a thing to actually be someone who is craving things like hugs. And I have friends who don't often give hugs, like unless I say to them, hey, can you give me a hug? They won't give out a hug. And so I have to say to them, hey, can you give me a hug? I'm not wanting to be that person who, you know, goes and has um, flings with people to get that connection. I just want friends to hug me because that's kind of connected to my values. That's a whole nother story, but our in-person catch-ups and connections with people are really, really important. And it might catch us by surprise a little bit, but I think also too, we know we know more so now, ironically, we should have always known it, but we know more so now that in-person catch-ups need to be done today, not later on. And so we need to prioritize asking people to go for coffee, saying to people, let's hang out, like, and not worrying about whether they're gonna say yes or no, but thinking about, you know, I wanna have two or three catch-ups this week with people because that will make me feel socially connected. Who can I connect with? Okay, that person said no. Who else can I connect with? And literally approaching it from that point of view, clinical or not, it's definitely going to improve your mental health. With that said, 
be careful about who you are catching up with in your social interactions because you have different types of people that you hang around with all the time. You have people that lift you up, people that support you, people that will challenge you if you're maybe not being the best version of yourself or not, not trying, um, not hanging around other people that are, are great for you, um, not being in positive relationships. You know, you'll have friends that will call you out on, on that and you'll have other people who are not a great influence. And so these social catch-ups for those people that are not a great influence on you are actually not gonna be beneficial. So you also need to think, who are the social catch-ups that I have that make me feel better when I'm done? Because some people have regular social catch-ups with individuals who are needy and perhaps are manipulative because there's boundary issues there around their self-love and their confidence, but not actually because they gain something from it. Instead, they walk away feeling drained instead of feeling like they've had fun, like they've had great energy, like they've been listened to, like they feel better. And so be picky with who those social catch-ups are with. And, it's, and for those high performers that are single listening to this as well, you have got to be super picky with that because... You know, there will be some people in the dating scene who might leave you sitting somewhere for ages waiting for you or might not return calls. And and then suddenly when you're thinking, I'm going to have a social catch-up, it's not happening, it makes you feel yuck. So you have to be ruthless for your mental health. You have to be ruthless. You can be respectful, but you have to be ruthless. If someone cannot um, meet the mark, if someone makes you feel yuck, friend potential relationship person you're actually seeing right now you have to actually decide what is the benefit of this for me in the long term what should I be doing instead who do I need to surround myself with more the fourth one I want to share with you is exercise now Everyone knows that I love exercise. I've talked about exercise often. A lot of my examples um, center around exercise, which I suppose is probably no surprise. However, exercise is undoubtedly one of the greatest ways to improve your mood. So it should be no surprise to you either that something that you should be tapping into on a regular basis. Exercise is not easy for people to do sometimes because they come to it with perceptions about their own body what it looks like when other people see them doing exercise how they feel when they're doing exercise they don't like the sweat sometimes they feel like it's going to take forever to do it but what happens is if we don't overcome those things is the exercise benefits of feeling endorphins of um, getting better health of increased mood, better mental clarity by having time to think to ourselves, learning mental toughness by pushing ourselves for a few more repetitions or a longer run or a harder interval or something like that, we don't learn. We don't get any of those benefits. So we have to decide, do we want to entertain the things that make us feel frustrated about fitness? Or do we want to entertain the much larger number of things that will bring us joy and increase our mental health 
around exercise and fitness? It's a really, really important question. And also be thinking and looking at ourselves and going, right, how much do I actually exercise right now? Not what I plan, what do I actually do? And look at your calendar right now and have a look. Be honest with yourself because some people say, you know, I'm going to do six workouts this week and they do three. And then they wonder why they don't feel confident. Well, because they don't have the consistent action. And if they change it to just saying, I'm going to do three workouts a week and did that for maybe a month, let's say, and then change it to four workouts a week and try that for a month, then slowly they could get to a place where they could do those six workouts per week if that's what they wanted to do. And their confidence would be built on consistent action. And also they'd start to see a lot of those benefits from exercise growing for them. An offshoot of exercise, but equally as important, if not sometimes more important, is finding movement that helps you release what people often term a negative emotions. Now, I don't believe that anger is a negative emotion. I think we view it that way. But something like boxing, for example, is an excellent way to express how we feel. And it's a good way to do it because we don't judge ourselves, because we don't box somebody else's face or body. Um, but we grow our fitness, we get our emotions out, and we feel the, the, the amazingness of those endorphins when it's done. So we have a lack of judgment. We have an increase in excitement, an increase in energy, an increase in clarity in our mind, an increase in mood and mental state, and better fitness. There is literally massive benefits from doing it. And for young men in particular, teenage boys, even teenage girls, people who do not get listened to, people who feel like they're unheard, people that have had trauma in the past they haven't been able to fight back against, something like boxing, martial arts is perfect for them because it enables them to get rid of all of those things that are going on in their body because their body's holding that tension in their muscles. It's holding it in their muscles still tight, being tightly contracted even when they're trying to relax and do things like a restful movement. So it's super important and it needs to be part of regular practice because when you stop doing it, it's kind of like the massage. You know, you might pay 80 bucks to go to a massage. You might pay 20 bucks to go to a boxing class. But as soon as you stop doing either of those things, you'll feel the tension rising and that you've got to do twice to three times, four or five times the amount of effort to get the same result. And that's why the consistent action is really important. Another thing that is really, really important that will improve your mental health is taking daily action towards your goals. So first of all, you've got to need to know what those goals are for you. So some people have no idea what their goals are. So first of all, if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to write down or type into your phone um, what your goals are. What would you like to achieve? Even if it's a pipe dream in your point of view at this point in time, write it down. It's really important that you understand the significance of what you're trying to achieve as well. Why you want to achieve it. Is it a goal that you are striving to achieve for you or is it something set by somebody else? Because your motivation and determination to achieve it will be significantly affected by that. When you 
know what your goals are, and perhaps you've even had them for a while, you then need to think about what is the daily action I've taken towards my goals? Because one thing that really stuffs people up is that they've decided what their goals are, but they feel like they're not making any progress. And so they get frustrated. Not making any progress, so why would I keep doing this? And it becomes very frustrating. So when you look at your goals, have a look at what you've done over the last week, a couple of weeks, even go back a month to, to get a really nice ca- um, cap shot, a really nice snapshot of what your progress has been. And then to see how committed you are to those goals. And if you're not, then it's not time to beat yourself up. It's just time to realize that you need to do some better planning around how you make those goals happen. And maybe you need to be thinking about the time in which you're achieving those goals. Maybe you need to be thinking about how you're planning those goals. There's a whole host of things around that. We actually have a podcast episode on goal setting that you can go and check out. It will help you with that as well. So go and listen to that if you want some more assistance around goal setting. But after you've got some awareness about what kinds of actions you want to be taking daily towards those goals then revisit it, you know, every day when you're reflecting or at the end of a week when you're coming back and you're reflecting on what do I do this week for myself? Am I achieving my goals? Can you tick off those daily things off your calendar and make them, if possible, able to be ticked off or checked off or commented on both in an electronic form like a Google Calendar um, and also on like a Trello board if you've got a business and that's the, that's the thing that you use. You can do the same thing with Monday if you use Monday instead um, so that you can tick off those specific things. If you've got just basic pen paper or white bottom pen, do the same thing there. It will really help you out. So that leads now nicely into the next tip is when you are taking daily action towards your goals and you can can see that you're consistently keeping your word for your goals, then you're going to build better confidence and it's going to improve your mental health because you know that you're not full of crap. But it goes another step further. When you keep your word, it's when you talk to somebody and you say to them, I'm going to see you at this particular time that you organized or I said that I was going to do this, so I'm going to do it. Um... I told myself I'd get up this morning and do my workout, so I'm going to do it. I told myself that I would eat better this week and track what I'm eating, so I'm going to do it. I told myself that um, I wouldn't have relationships with people that um, treat me like I'm less deserving of um, love, attention, and respect. So um, you make sure that there is evidence of exactly what you said was going to happen in your life. Now, this is one thing that's probably going to impact the most amount of people and yet it's not talked about so often. We are often very frustrated at other people for not keeping their word, but we realise we've never addressed how often we have perhaps not kept our own word. Perhaps we've lied to ourselves and said, oh, but I didn't have enough time or I didn't do this. But then yet if we were actually honest, we could go, Yeah, but you stuffed around at the shops for X amount of time. Or you decided to be fickle and worry about 
making something perfect for your business before you put it out today, or you decided to watch TV for an hour and a half when you knew you had that goal that you wanted to achieve and doing it would have made you go to sleep better. Or you know that you don't want that particular relationship, but you're just doing it because what if somebody else doesn't come along? So there's more things behind it. You know what you don't want, but you gave yourself it anyway. So now what you're doing is self-sabotaging. And a quick way to not feel confident, to lack self-love and to significantly impact your mental health and certainly your mood is to not keep your word and consistently self-sabotage. So I want you to focus on looking at your systems of structure for success. That's what I always talk to my clients about that show that you are consistently keeping your word. When I say to someone, I'll meet you for coffee, I do it. When I say to someone, next time I'm going to get the coffee, for example, you do it. Or at the very least, you check in and say, hey, is it my turn for coffee? Is it my turn to get the meal or whatever? And you do it. When you say that you're going to do something by a certain time to yourself for your business, you stick to it and you get it done. Even if that means something else has to fall by the wayside for the minute. Because what that will do is reinforce that you are taking daily actions towards your goals. You're being congruent with yourself. And that you are going to keep yourself as a person who is accountable, responsible for who you are, what you do, and how you behave. Really, really important. And what you'll start to see fall falls away is blaming other people. And blaming other people often impacts our mental state as well because... Other people are saying to us, why are you blaming me for that? That was your choice. What you did was your choice. And then our relationships get impacted because we aren't actually looking internally at how we played a role in something not working. And I'm sure as I'm saying that to you, you can think there are many different ways where that takes part, that can take part in sport, that can take part in our business, that can take part in our romantic relationships, that can take part in our friendships, that can take part in interactions with strangers on social media. So it's really important to get that right. Now, the next tip that I have for you to improve your mental health and mood, I think is super, super important, highly underrated, and often, interestingly enough, people don't even know what these things are. And that is doing what you love. I have asked several clients, like, what do you love to do? And they often mention work. No, forget work. What do you love to do? And sometimes people sit there for a while and go, I don't know. And they're in a total disconnect from who they are. They maybe haven't done their hobbies for a while or they couldn't do the same hobby that they used to do as a child or when they were a younger adult and now they've got to try and find something else. And that's really challenging so they haven't found anything else. And I understand that because I used to play soccer at a high level and then I couldn't play it anymore and I had to redirect myself to something else. So I understand that that is challenging and difficult for me. I got into hiking, rock climbing, basketball <laughs> and fitness, really loved it. Always loved fitness, mind you, but that's what I got into. And then that evolved and changed most recently um, this year into playing AFL. And so there are constant things that we do perhaps that will 
will impact why we are not doing what we love. Could be that we have to make different decisions because we've been forced to. But you need to know what am I doing that I love to do? Am I doing it on a regular basis? And you should be able to look at your calendar and go, right, I am doing X, Y, and Z this week that I love to do. Now, for me, I'll give you an example of a couple of things. One of the things I love to do is chill out in my backyard, on my picnic rug, listen to podcasts, read a magazine or the Sunday Mail if it's on a Sunday, and then I like to write in my journal, sometimes write a part of a book, okay? Now, some people would think that writing part of a book is work, but for me, it's fun. So that is what I do, okay? That's something that I love. That's something that I love to do. Another thing I love to do is just wake up in the morning and decide I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to go to a different coffee shop. I'm going to go to um, to Brisbane for the day or the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast or go for a bit of a visit somewhere, you know. Um, I'm going to sing and pick a different playlist, you know. I'm going to go for a pointless drive. I like doing that. Go for a pointless drive, see what I find. (laughs) Um, I'm going to watch a favourite TV show of mine. I'm going to do, I don't know, it depends on my mood sometimes, mindful colouring. People have their own choices of what they want to do. Um, I'm going to listen to an audio book. While I do the gardening, that makes me feel really old when I say that. But honestly, I love that. Because I'm not looking at a screen. I look at a screen so often at work. So my downtime, pottering around, I just like a book to be read to me. And it feels like I'm being cared for and looked after. So it's nice. But figure out what it is that you do that you love and are you doing it? And if you feel like you're not doing it, and I talk about this in another episode as well, if you feel like you're not having fun in your life, you've got to ask yourself, am I doing the things that I love often enough? Yeah, I think this is really key for those married people out there who go ahead and and, um, stop having dates. They stop doing certain things because the kids come first or something else is more important or they're renovating their house or what have you. But then they suddenly get into like this routine life where the zest is gone and they're a bit bored and they're not bored with each other. They don't want a different life. They just need to tap into what they love to do more. Maybe that's that they need to have a guy's weekend or a girl's weekend and be apart from each other for a bit, then come back. Um, All of those things. So think about that. Another really thing, really important thing as well that, and doing what you love can really help in this too, is considering what your snap out of it actions are. And what I mean by this is, Inevitably, throughout your day, week, month, year, you're going to have moments where you get in a rut. And the rut sucks because it feels like you're in a hole and every time you're thinking, you're trying to get out of it. 
you get stuck in your thoughts and your emotions and overthinking and you dig more and more down into that hole and then you're like, well, shit, I can't get out of here now. It's, I'm so far down, I've got so much dirt and crap that I have to stand on top of before I get to the surface again. And it feels insurmountable. So what you need to think about what are the snap-out actions when you get in that mood? Because the reality is you've been in, in a rut before. I've been in ruts before and you know what makes you feel better. And you've probably done the whole, I'll watch a movie that makes me cry or I'll, um, I'll just lay down and stay that way and write it out or feel this way for a couple of days, you know. I have people that I know who allow their rut to last for three to four weeks and we know when they're in that rut, they won't let anyone talk to them. But they lose three to four weeks of their life that they will never get back. And that's the way that they want to process it. But you gotta, you got to wonder, is that a great way to process things sometimes? And we all have things like that, you know? Um, when you're stuck in a rut with your hormones and you're crying and you're emotional, is it great to blame your hormones <laughs> or is it better to be is it better to be like you know what I am going to be kind to myself with this I'm going to take a slower pace I don't need to try and do everything at a gung-ho rate what do you snap out of actions so here's a couple for me I love dancing when I'm feeling in a funk and often when I start I have lots of crap going on in my head I'll have like you look silly, your boobs are going to jiggle, you'll laugh at that. <laughs> your boobs are going to jiggle, you look ridiculous. Um, and then, once I dance for like 20 seconds, I don't give a crap. I don't care. I'm just having fun, I'm enjoying myself, it's like I'm having my own party in my lounge room. And it's generally a really good freaking time. And so... Anytime I get in this kind of funk or I feel like, okay, I've tried a few other things. I've tried meditating. I've tried journaling. I've tried some things that are good self-care things for me that I'm aware of that are really helpful and I still can't snap out of it. I do things to get out of my body and to get out of my head dancing. And the other thing I do is fight backs. And this is going to sound like I'm a real kook, but the reality is, is everyone's kooky in one way or another. And my fight backs are, I literally argue with myself or with whoever I want to have a fight with but they're not present <laughs> so for example I recently had someone who was pretty horrible to me in business for no reason at all after working for them for almost a year and it was really frustrating me and I, I knew that I had to deal with it in a real positive way because if I didn't deal with it in a positive way, it was going to negatively impact my business. And I'm very conscious of that. Um, you know, I'd helped him significantly. He'd sung my praises before. He'd paid me double the amount of money before. And it was what I thought a very positive relationship. But obviously the way he was responding was to do with what was going on with him, which is fine. But what he said was so offensive and hurtful to me that I just couldn't get it out of my head it was so nasty so I decided okay well I'm not going to actually fight back 
with him in any capacity that's going to be seen. But what I can do is walk around my house, say all the things that I would have liked to say, and then let it go. But the, the challenge is, I guess, is that you then have to let it go. You then have to say, okay, those emotions are out and it's done. And that's the important part with fight backs, I would say. If you are looking for a strategy with this one, I'll say, do your fight. Say what you wanted to say. Get really angry. Let it all out. And then go, the moment is over. You've said your piece. Leave it be. Move on. And that's it. Because otherwise the risk is that you'll ruminate on it and you don't want to be ruminating on it because ruminating on anything is not good for your mental health. But fighting back when you feel like you haven't got a voice or you can't do it because it's going to negatively impact your business, for example, or your role in a particular organisation you're working is a really good strategy. And people can do it on their lunch breaks, people can do it in the bathrooms, people can do it to the voice memo of the mobile phone and play it back. It's weirdly satisfying and it can help you feel like you've at least got out what's happening. Um, there are two more things that I think are very, very important to improve your mental health and your mood. And I think they go together really, really nicely. One of them is regularly working on your self-awareness. Now, it's a catch-22 because high performers always want to find that end goal. But with self-awareness and confidence and self-love, there's never an end goal. It's not like buying a house or getting a new car or going to the Olympics. There's not an end goal. You have to be satisfied with the fact that it's going to be a rinse and repeat process and love the process of learning. Love the fact that you're going to have these light bulb moments of, wow, this is a new thing I learned about me. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so much better in this scenario. And when we can do that, then our health becomes a lot better. But our health also becomes a lot better because we understand why we do what we do and we have an insight into how we can fix it. Now, I said the word insight on purpose because it doesn't mean that we know how, but it means that we know that we need to fix something perhaps or that we need some support in a certain area or that we are aware of how well we are going with something or that we're aware that we're not perfect in certain areas and that makes us able to connect with people better. It makes us better human beings. It makes us more... Um, capable of being loving towards ourselves, being accepting of ourselves, which we've got to have because if we want love and acceptance from somebody else, we've got to give it to ourselves first. We just have to. And so regularly working on your self-awareness also helps you to know that you're not going to have those conversations where people say to you things like, you always do that. You never learn. And these are pretty painful conversations. Because they're the hallmarks where somebody else is saying that. Not to, not to purposely hurt us. But to make us aware that something's happening in our life on rinse and repeat. And we're not stopping the cycle. And it's about time that we do. And most often when that happens we get our back up. 
But if we're consistently working on ourselves, then we learn to drop our ego. We learn to be really humble. We learn to be thinking about serving other people, to be kind, to be consistently working on ourselves, enjoying that process, as I said, but also recognizing in this process, we don't have to be perfect. And there's a lot of grace and mercy we give ourselves when we do that. We can only do that when we build self-awareness. People that are arrogant don't give themselves mercy and grace because while they might be really rambunctious in public, in quiet, they are severely harsh themselves. And so we must remember that. There's a big difference between confidence and arrogance in men. And the last thing, but I think it is the most important thing when it comes to mental health and mood is me time. You've got to have it. Parents listening to this podcast, you've got to have it. You know, the beauty of this generation is that we've come from a generation where we didn't always have devices necessarily. And so, you know, like for me, we didn't have devices till I was in high school. So we didn't grow up with them in our hands from when we were five or six, which means we know how to play with our devices. We know that people, including our children, can have time with their siblings or even on their own without a screen in their hand. But also, if we need them to have a screen in their hand, they can do that too. <laughs> which means you've got time to have me time and you need to make time for it. You need to make time for it. Out of all the things that I talk to people, this is the thing that people are scared of the most. I don't want to be on my own. What if I don't like my own company? You need to learn how to like your own company. So even if it's only spending two to five minutes with yourself every day, for starters, until you get to that point where you take yourself out to the movies, you take yourself out to a restaurant, like you're kind of dating yourself... You've got to do it because otherwise you're relying on somebody else to make you feel good. And that means their, your mental health is in their hands and that is far too great a risk for your health, far too great a risk for your mood because your mood will be impacted by whatever the heck is going on with them. And you've probably experienced this before. It also doesn't matter if they are technically a high performer or not. If they are pretty self-aware or not. You still need me time and so do they. Me time gives you mental space to check in with yourself. So it's good to have a balance of doing things and also just simply doing nothing in that me time. To really understand where am I at and what do I want am I happy Am I happy? Is there joy in my life? Do I love what's going on in my life? You're not going to love every aspect of what's going on in your life. You're not always going to be feeling upbeat. You're going to experience a lot of different moods. But me time, regardless of your mood, is going to assist you with that. Because it'll give you time and space to feel what you're feeling. You need to encourage yourself to just let yourself Feel those emotions. So I want you to look at your week every day. Schedule me time. 
Now, some people might say, I don't have time for that because I work rubbish. You have a break. Legally, you're required to have a break. You can take five minutes of me time where you don't need to be with your colleagues, where you can go and sit at your desk and listen to a podcast, where you can just write something down, where you can just chill, where you can go take a walk. You can do it. Just five minutes. Easily. You know, some men have been doing me time really well for quite a while. You know, they take the newspaper or their book into the loo when they're doing a number two. They get me time often. Some women need to take a leaf out of the page of the book the men are reading on me time and just realize the world is not going to collapse if you don't do everything right now. But it will if you are not in good health, if you can't control your moods, if you can't control your emotions. And so you need that me time. Now, the last thing I would say to you is that all of these tips that I've shared with you today are improving your mental health and mood really need to be thought about really seriously because you are role modeling to people around you. You're role modeling to people your age. You're role modeling to people that are older than you, as much as you may not think it. And you're certainly role modeling to the young people around you. Um, your children, nieces, nephews, um, kids randomly that see you out and about. They're watching what you do. You don't have to be a famous person to be a role model. By your sheer age, you're role modeling to other people. And you don't have to be old either. You know, if there's a teenager listening to this podcast episode, you are role modeling two, four, five, six-year-olds. And what you do with this is really important. If you are not thinking about the tips that I've shared today and putting them as part of systems of, um, systems of success and structure in your life, then you're showing to other people that being... Being grateful and appreciative doesn't matter. Taking action towards your goals doesn't matter. Keeping a word doesn't matter. That looking after your physical health doesn't matter. That living a life that you love as opposed to somebody else loves doesn't matter. That being the best version of you doesn't matter. And I want that to really sink in. Because often we forget the impact of what we don't do. And we need to be aware of that. The impact of what we don't do. The impact of not being grateful. Of not chasing our goals. Of not being kind to ourselves. Of not knowing how to be on our own. How is that making us become a better person, a more resilient person, a happier person, a more loving person, a more self-confident individual? Because you are teaching people every day and also every day you are teaching your brain and your body how much you love yourself. And so if you don't care about role modeling to anybody else, just care about the fact that your body and your brain is reminding itself what you tell it so whatever you are not doing it's remembering 
and whatever you are doing, good and bad habits, it's coding in as part of who you are and it's cementing down as your, I guess, DNA to role modeling. You get to choose if that's changing. You get to choose better mental health. You get to choose a better mood. And that's up to you and only you. And you don't have to do all these things I've talked about today, but you certainly need to be thinking about what are the things that I need to do for me that could make my life feel more at peace, happier, more content, more like I'm living for me instead of living for other people. And give me the capacity to serve other people more. Thank you so much for listening for the, listening to this. I really love to hear your feedback. Of course, if you've enjoyed this, I would absolutely be stoked if you could share um, a post of this um, in your Instagram stories or on your social media feeds and tag me um, on Instagram. I'm at magnetically underscore confidence and on Facebook, I'm magnetic confidence. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, as you know, mental health is so important. So the more people that find out about this episode and all the other episodes that I've created for the impact of mindset, the greater benefit it will be to the wider global community. So I appreciate it for anyone who's listening and also, um, but especially those who share with friends, family members, um, colleagues and peers. It really means the world to me. And I know it's going to mean a lot to those people who you share the episode with and they get a lot out of. So uh, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you, seeing you. I look forward to, <laughs> to sharing more great tips, strategies, and real and raw authentic stories with you about how to build better self-confidence, self-love, and high performance in another episode of The Impact of Mindset very soon. Thank you for listening.